Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live on the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will start the first of a four-part series called The Signs of the Times. We will be studying what the Bible teaches about current events. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland, in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music.
the signs of the times. We will have the first of our four-part series discussing current events tonight with Elder Rady Carlo of Emmanuel Missionary Institute. EMI was established in 1992 by Elder Ray and his wife, Sister Judy DiCardo. They have an educational ministry dedicated to the proclamation of the everlasting gospel of Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. For the past 30 years, EMI has been involved in teaching, evangelism, and literature distribution throughout the world. Let's now call Elder DiCardo and see if he's available. Hello. Hello, good evening, Elder Ricardo. You are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening? Fine, thank you, John. I praise the Lord. Glad to hear so. Yes, and your wife, Sister Judy, how is she? Yeah, she's doing very well, thank you. I praise the Lord. Well, Elder Ricardo, tonight we will start the first of our four-part series looking at the signs of the times that we are living in. We will be using Matthew chapter 24 as the basis for this series. Listeners, we pray that these radio broadcasts will not only be a means of clarifying certain issues that may be at the back of your mind, wondering why they are happening, who is behind them, and when they are going to end. We pray that these radio broadcasts will strengthen your faith in God's word as the only reliable source of news and strength and that they will help you to prepare you to meet Jesus at his second coming in peace. So, Elder DiCarlo, shall we have a word of prayer to open our discussion this evening? Our Father in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you would please come and take our hearts and bless us now as we take up this most solemn, important subject. We pray that you'll guide our thoughts our words, our actions, that you will purify our motives, that you will help each one of us, Lord, to remember the loving kindness of our God. These are awesome and grand times in which we live. And surely, Lord, how can anyone say that you are not coming back soon? The, in the, 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 the signs all indicate that your nearness of your coming is is right around the corner. I pray you'll help us, Lord, to um, urge upon each and every one who hears us to understand the importance of the times in which we live. So bless John and I. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, listeners, where do we find this subject, the signs of the times? Where does it originate from? We read in the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verses 1 to 3. The Pharisees also, with the Sadducees, came, and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, This is Jesus, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? And so we see from the Bible that the signs of the times is a subject that comes from Jesus himself. It is a subject of heavenly origin. Elder Ricardo, have you any thoughts about this phrase that's gone from Jesus' lips? When you look at the... uh Statement. First of all, the context of the uh, statement that you just made reference to, clearly yes. uh, they could not recognize the signs of the times regarding the nature of the coming of Christ the first time. They couldn't discern who he was. Uh, and yet Jesus said, you know, it's amazing. You can discern the sky regarding the nature of the type of weather that will come the next day. Yet the most obvious things that stand before you, you cannot discern. Yes. 
And he says, how is it that you can discern the natural things of the world? And yet you are, uh, yet you cannot understand the spiritual things when you're supposed to be spiritual people. Yes. And so th- this is a powerful statement he is making, not just in reference to the Jewish leaders and the people at the times in which he lived, but this statement echoes down through the centuries of time, and particularly to our generation. Yes. It is a f- amazing how many cannot discern what's really going on. They can discern the secular, the natural things of life, uh, but they cannot discern the spiritual. And what's man- what's interesting is that the spiritual is is manifesting to a greater degree uh, the indications of where we are more so than the natural. Yes. And so it's it just echoes down. And when you take the that concept, when you take the concept of can you not discern the signs of the times? That statement in conjunction with Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and and part of Luke 17, when you put those chapters together in relation to that, then you can see that there is a clear understanding that Jesus had for his people and for the world at large, if they would just listen, of the very things that would transpire just prior to his coming, in order that we would then know where we are in the history of mankind. Yes. And number two, in order that we would prepare uh, 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 appropriately for that occasion. In other words, this is the grandest opportunity, the grandest time that you could possibly have to understand that we need to get ready. Jesus is coming. And so I think that when you look at that, I think that uh, really that question Jesus asks is is still being asked today. Yes. Yes, and it's interesting, as you had mentioned, those who should have been the spiritual leaders in Israel— was mm. asking for Jesus to show them a sign, basically, yep. as if they didn't know, you know. Yep. And he said, yep. you hypocrites. You yep. can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And, you know, it's a personal question for us, as you said, Elder Ricardo. Um, mm. can, are we so caught up in the things of the world and, you know, that we can't um, discern the most important matters, which is the matters of the spiritual you know, of, of our eternal That's salvation, it. basically. And, and this is the reason why we're starting this series of um, radio broadcasts, basically. It's for us to help us all to focus on the most important matter, which is the spiritual in this life, the yeah. things of heaven, the things of eternity, to prepare ourselves yeah. for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. John, let me ask you something. Uh, yes. You just brought something to my mind uh, um, on this. In your opinion, based on your study of the scriptures, why why do you think uh, not not just in terms of what happened to the the Jewish people in Jesus's day, but I speak now in reference to people in our day, particularly the religious, because what why do you think people are so unwilling to see the obvious? You know, I think of Pilate, for example. You know, here he was, yes. he's standing before Jesus and the, the 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 raging mob, you know, demanding the death of Jesus. Uh, the religious leaders uh, breathing down his neck, you know, if you don't do this, you're no friend of Caesar, uh, which was a direct threat. I mean, there's no question about what they were implying. Um, and, and he asked Jesus, you know, what is the truth? And he was looking right at Jesus, and yet he couldn't discern that the answer to his question was standing right in front of him. And, and yet the Bible says he turned away. He turned away, and I think that's a fitting representation yes. of many. Um, but w- w- in your opinion, ba- again, based on what you've studied and 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 uh, on this issue, wh- why why do you think people are so hesitant, unwilling, on their part to see these things? Yes. Well, you know, Elder Ricardo, you've brought me to Luke chapter eight. This is the parable of the sower, and um, okay. I can share now, and if you look at Luke chapter 8. Yep. 
And as you said, based upon the scriptures, this is the first scripture text that came to my mind. Okay. And actually starting from verse 9, and it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you, his disciples, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables, that seeing they might see, and hearing they might not understand. In essence, Jesus was basically sharing that it's all a matter of choice. You see? Mm, mm. That's basically what it is, is that mm. um, we all have a choice to either to see and to understand what the Lord is trying to say, or we can reject it. And I believe yeah, that, that, that historically that this is what the matter always is, Elder Ricardo. You see, because... As you know, with the parable of the sower, it talks about on good ground, stony ground, and by the wayside, the word of God. You see, mm. it's like now, mm. you and I, we're broadcasting um, tonight. Listeners have got the opportunity to either to listen or to be distracted with something else or just to brush it aside. And mm. I believe that historically the scriptures show and life shows that this is how the human heart is basically in that uh, and and it's rightly so in a sense because god has given us all free will and it's for us to decide whether we we want the truth or not but um but if you look at the pharisees and sordises they simply did not like jesus they refused Mm. to hear what Mm. he said and they just did not like him, and that was it. It was hatred. They, they, they didn't want to hear what he had to say because they didn't like him. And so mm. that's from my study of the Scripture and, um, and my understanding of the Word of God and of the life of Jesus. That was always the case you know, with him, was that mm. those who should have known, um, they didn't want to know because they simply just didn't like him. Right. Well, you know, this, well, this is very interesting because when you were uh, expounding on this very interesting concept, when you said it, you know, comes down to to the choices people make, uh, obviously then there is an unwillingness on the part of those who are blinded to these issues to remain blind. Not that they have to be, but they choose to do so. It's not that the fact that God isn't willing to reveal these things. Yes. But that 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 uh, they just, for whatever pride of opinion, maybe uh, you know, uh, they, like you said, their their hatred for Christ, but they they remain so because they choose to do so, and um, yeah, that's that's uh, unbelievable. So you know, when you look at this, yes, and in relation to the signs of the times. Um, even like what we're going to be sharing with Matthew 24 and the various other uh, uh, references that are going to be given, you know, it's up to the listener uh, to, to who, who's paying attention to the things that we're yes. sharing with them to, to, to make choices. Um, and so I think I, and I hope and pray that our listening audience will understand that uh, everyone has to make a decision. Everybody has to decide. Uh, what they're going to do with the things that Jesus has said. Yes. And I hope and pray, I hope and pray our listening audience makes good choices. Yes, yes. Mm. Yes, I'd just like to share one more Bible text, Elder Ricardo. Amen, um, amen. This is Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 okay. to 4. Second Corinthians. And I believe this would again make another good foundation for the rest of our study. Okay. And um, it says here, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that Satan, as you know, have blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is the image of God should shine unto them. You see? And so some people just don't want to hear the gospel, they allow Satan to blind their minds. I don't, you know, no, that's nonsense. No, what do you mean? I, I, you know, I don't want to hear that because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. want to. They want to hold on to sin and their own um, beliefs, and they refuse to hear God's word. 
you see. So um, so that's just, a, so again, the two more Bible texts that have come to my mind. That it's a matter of choice, you see. We, we can either be willing to listen to what the Lord has said to us, or we can be um, unwilling and refuse, you see. So um, as the Bible says today, um, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, you know. That's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's a powerful, powerful Second Corinthians uh, four. That, that that is powerful because if you take the time to analyze that uh, that those uh, verses, I mean, it's just intense. Yes, because you know he says the God of this world, Satan, is blinding their minds. And he qualifies it because they don't believe. And it yes. goes right back to what you just said. The fact that they choose not to accept the overwhelming evidence that stands before them. It's like a court of law. The evidence is overwhelming. And yet, for whatever reason, the jury or judge yes. uh, simply uh, ignores the evidence and therefore renders a false verdict or an unjust verdict and and so, yeah, it's 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 a fascinating, but there there is unfortunately uh, um, and, and a number of people, particularly those even within the church. And yes. I know we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, um, and I mean at least in more detail. But I know that there, even especially within the church, there's a number of people who just don't want to hear the truth. Yes. Yes, and it's serious, you know, because listeners, remember that when Jesus was talking, he was talking to the leaders of the church. He wasn't talking right. about the people of the world. Always remember that the Bible's primarily written to, to the people of God, you see. It's for everyone, mm. but the messages are primarily for the church. So we must not forget that. We must not forget yep. that. Yep. So then, Elder DeCarlo, shall we now start to look at what Jesus has said? about the signs of the times that we should be looking for in Matthew chapter 24. Unless mm. you've got any other thoughts. No, no, let's proceed. Let's okay. go. So, <laughs> okay, so you read in the book of Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 3. Matthew 24, verses 1 to 3. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. This is the temple in Jerusalem, by the way, listeners. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And so the scene is set here as to be in a time when Jesus came out of the temple in Jerusalem. He explained to his disciples that there shall not be left there one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus had foretold of the destruction that would come upon the Jewish temple by the hands of the Romans. But note the two questions that the disciples asked Jesus. So it might have been three. I wasn't sure of the Ricardo. Maybe you, you mm. can. But anyway, first they said, tell us, they said, when shall these things be? Or when shall the temple be destroyed? And then they asked him, What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Mm. See, isn't that interesting? That mm. it was, they just didn't, they, they weren't concerned not to, um, sorry, they weren't concerned just about the present, but also of the future, of the sign of his coming and of the end of the world. So, what thoughts have you about these verses, Elder DeCarlo? Well, what's interesting about Matthew 24, Matthew 24 sits in, in between two chapters that are in, in conjunction with, with this uh, discussion, Matthew 23 and Matthew 25. Yes. The reason I bring that up is because if you go to Matthew 23, just for a second. Yeah, sure. And it says this in verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. Now, what's interesting in Matthew 23, this is uh, he's he's addressing the, the the masses of the people and his disciples. Yes. But chapter twenty three is specifically dealing with the sins of the leaders of Israel, and yes. he just absolutely want point by point by point goes through and shows how they are hypocrites, how that they have 
done everything they they could do to destroy the the truth and the and the image of God among the people. Yes. Now, why is this important? Because what is interesting in Matthew, particularly the the Matthew twenty four account, this at this period of time in Jesus's life, this is the last public discourse he makes. Yes. Before his crucifixion, he does not make any other public discourse after this. From this point forward, after this conversation. He only speaks to his disciples. Yes. So this is his farewell speech to the multitudes. And what is it? Chapter 23, he exposes the sins and the corruptions of the leaders of Israel. Yes. In chapter 24, he talks about the signs of the times, indicating clearly the indication of what's about to happen. Chapter 25, he gives the parable of the of the uh, or the various parables, dividing with the, the ten virgins and the talents, and then describing the, the judgment, the last judgment. And yes. so he goes through and just lays it out this member now this is his last public discourse you know john look if yes. this is your last speech right this is your farewell speech this is the last thing you're going to tell someone you're not going to mince any words you're going nope. to simply tell them exactly how it is what's going to go on now it doesn't mean you're harsh or rude or or obnoxious or belligerent. That's not. That's not. Jesus was never that way, and that's not uh, w- what we're talking about. But Jesus is speaking very plainly. Yes. That there's just no way you can misconstrue what he's saying. And so at this point, when you reach Matthew twenty-four one to three, we know that he's at the temple. At Jerusalem, yes. this is his last conversation. Jesus makes these startling denunciations regarding the the disciples, or excuse me, regarding the religious leaders. And matter yes. of fact, in chapter twenty three, verse thirty eight, he says to the nation of Israel, "Your house is left unto you desolate," and that's it. It's over. Yes. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how that he's with his disciples. They were talking, if you go to Mark's account, particularly Luke's account, uh, that parallel with Matthew 24, you see that they were the, the disciples were bragging about the gold and the, and the beauty of the temple and so forth, which then Jesus utilized to his advantage in communicating to him the essential truths that he wanted to convey. And he then denounced them in a very compassionate way. He said, uh, not one stone shall be left upon another. Now, this was catastrophic statement to them yes. based on the questions they're asking him. And matter of fact, if you go into Luke's account and Mark's account, both of them, you find that it's uh, Peter, James, and John. Not all the disciples pulled them aside privately and asked them about what was going on. Yes. Um, they, they knew, they knew this was absolutely unbelievable what he just stated. And so they wanted to know Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming in the yes. end of the world? Now, in their thinking, in their thinking, like all Jews in their day, their thinking is very, very simple and logic. They're thinking, now, wait a minute. We've been told throughout the Old Testament prophets that Jerusalem will last forever, that God, that, that Israel is God's people yes. and uh, and and so forth. Um, now, what the, the disciples, as well as the Jewish people, failed to understand was that the covenant that God made with Abraham and continued through Isaac and then Jacob and so forth was always conditional. If you just read the book of Deuteronomy, yes. it makes it very plain. If you obey me, I will bless you. And as long as you obey me, I will continue to bless you. But if you do not obey me, then I will curse you and 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 condemn uh, your actions. Yes. So here in Matthew 20, uh, 23, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chickens uh, under her wings? Yet, he says, now this is it. Ye would not. And it goes right back to what yes. you said. They made a choice. They didn't want him to gather them. He says, you, and he says, therefore, because of that, your house is left unto you desolate. And then 
he, he, he puts this all together. The temple is going to be destroyed, not just the temple. There won't be one stone left upon another. Yes. Utter annihilation. So the disciples were thinking, well, wait a minute. If, if we're going to, if the temple is to last forever, if, if Israel is to stand forever, Jerusalem is to be the capital uh, of the world, um, then this can only mean that uh, this is the end of all things. Yes. And that's why they asked that question, the end of the world. Yes. Because that, that they knew that, they, that uh, in their mind, all these promises were last to the end. Yes. But they forgot the covenant relationship. And that's why they said, tell us, when shall these things be? When? You know, when is this going to happen? At what time? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? Yes. And the end of the world. And he couples, they couple the two two questions together. The sign of thy coming to the end of the world is synonymous. It's the end of all things. And so Jesus then utilizes that to his advantage and springboards in a duality. Now, this is fascinating. Matthew 24 is one of the most fascinating scriptures in, in all the Bible. Yes. Because, and I again, to our listening audience, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, as well as a portion of Luke 17, are, are, are parallels to what I'm describing here. But Matthew 24, Jesus does two things. He weaves in chronological uh, um, way, in a, at least in an arc way, yes. the, the destruction of Jerusalem, which would take place in, in AD 70, and the destruction of mankind, the end of the world, the yes. second coming of Christ. So he weaves these two events. Now, why is this important? Because to the discerning reader, spiritual things are spiritually yes. discerned. Yes. To the spiritual discerner, they'll be able to pick up clearly what it is that Jesus is saying. And so this is absolutely a, a shell shocker to the disciples. Yes. They can't believe what, what he is saying. And so they're taking back. And so when he then they ask that question. Then Jesus begins his dissertation on exactly what's going to happen. Now, what is fascinating here, in my opinion, when you look at the things that Jesus says following the questions that the disciples yes. asked him, what's interesting is, is not uh, only what he said, but when he said it. And let me yes. explain what I mean. The right. very first thing that comes out of his mouth. The very first thing in verse four, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, yes. that's the first thing he says, which implies very clearly that mankind, as well as the disciples, have an element of gullibility about them. Yes. There, uh, there's an element of be, being naive and just being, uh, you know, taking things too much for granted regarding uh, that you already know. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to tell you this before I get any further into the into the subject matter. First thing I want to tell you is you better be careful that nobody misleads you regarding these things. Yes. So why would he say that unless not only is there a possibility to be misled, but also the fact that he knew Yes. he knew many would be misled. As a matter of fact, he repeats it again in verse 5, verse 11, and verse 24, except he intensifies the nature of that deception to say actually and culminates in verse 24, if it were possible, deceive the very elect. Yes. So it goes right back to what you stated even earlier. Yes. That that even amongst uh, you know spiritual things or spiritual discern, it's all about the choice. It all depends on how you how you relate to these these things. So, in my opinion, when you look at this, it's critical to see that we need to be careful yes. and we need to be cautious about who we trust. What we what we listen to, where we go in regard to the nature of searching for what's right. Um, and you said earlier, which I was very thankful, you said that uh, in your opening remarks, how that really it all comes down to the basis of the Bible. In other yes. words, everything is is anchored in the word of God. 
It's not anchored in opinions of men. It doesn't look in the final analysis, John, I'll tell you something. Yes. I'm going to say something to our listening audience that may, may shock them a little bit, but you know, it doesn't matter what you think or what I think. It, what matters is what God thinks. Amen. What does God say? And so I encourage our listening audience to remember that don't think that you're beyond the point of being tempted to be deceived. Yes. Uh, 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 you know, um, pride goes before a fall. And so if you think you're, you're, you're beyond uh, the point of being tempted, I think you're delusional. I'm not saying that's what you really believe or think. However, though, I would say this. Jesus made it clear. Watch and pray. Watch yes. and pray. And so, so really, when you look at this, you, you, he starts off with no man take you that no man deceive you. Now, in following the, the, the next verse, he expounds on this. He says, and many will come in my name. Now, let's stop there. Let's not go any further. Many will come in my name. All right. So in, in, in Jesus's name. Now, this is very interesting. This is really nice. uh, a foretaste of what happened in the book of Acts. When the Christians of Antioch were actually called Christians, that was the first place they were called Christians in Antioch, and uh, and they they that name was given to them because uh, first of all it was used in a derogatory way originally. Yes. You know, they're the followers of Christ, you know, they're Christians, um, and so it had a you know the way it was used in originally. Um, it, it wasn't pleasant. In other words, if you obviously if you're called a Christian in 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 those days. Um, the public at large would consider that uh, a negative thing, a negative thing. Now, yes. not to the followers of Jesus, they took that was as a badge of honor. Uh, they thought, "Amen, praise, call, yes, give me the name." And so, what's interesting, he says, "If any many shall come in my name." Yes. So here we have a very interesting nature of deception. There's two kinds of deception, John. There's deception that comes external, and yes. then there's internal. Now, the internal nature is where you're self-deceived. You deceive yourself. You, you, you're, you're just blinded your own mind regarding the nature of these things, and you're your worst enemy. And that's the worst type of deception. Uh, uh, and so uh, that's one fa facet. The other is, of course, external. It comes from without somebody else is trying to deceive you. Somebody else is yes. trying to mislead you. And in this particular case, he says, many will come in my name. Many will come cloaked with the name Christian. Many will come in the name of Christ. And he says, he says this, saying, saying, I am Christ. And shall, as a result, shall deceive many. Now, what's interesting about this phrase, I am Christ, this not only refers directly to the fact that there are those who are going to claim that they are the Holy Messiah. Yes. But it goes even further than that. Because, see, look, John, think about this. Think about this for a moment. If someone came to you or to I uh, or someone that's a Christian uh, in general, I would like to think that they are so fortified in the word of God that they would not be naive to believe that if someone came to them and said, I'm Jesus Christ, that they would accept that. They would say, sure. no, get away from me, Satan. So it's 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 too it's too it's too much obvious uh, to to those who love God and to serve Him and know His Word. So Satan's got to figure some other way by which to deceive these people. Now, to the world at large, to the world at large, yes, they can be led down the path of deception where somebody comes and says, "I'm Jesus Christ." Now, yes. they're going to need assistance, not just words. They're going to need assistance to manifest supernatural works to convince. The ignorant masses. Yes. And so this is where Satan comes in and performs spiritualism uh, to accompany the false claims. However, to the to the again, to the Bible student, to the person who knows the word of God, they're not going to be gullible and naive about these things because they know what the word of the Lord says. Oh, However, yes. though, if someone comes and says to you and if you look at the word Christ and look it up, it means to be a savior. Yes. Right. So. So th th this is what I, I, I want to convey to people. There are those today who look at the world, and we in this world are losing our minds, whether it's political, social, religiously, whether it's economically. Uh, on every level of life, yes. mankind is unraveling. Now, friends, look, I know that that's a strong statement to be making. Yes. 
However, though, I think that if anyone is paying attention to the news, just look at the news and, and not just the news in your country, but go try to search the news around the world. Yes. And and things are just not making sense. Things are completely um, upside down. So what's happened is I think Satan is preparing people for uh, saviors to come and save them from this mess. Yes, and uh, and it's not just those who are going to come and claim to be Jesus Christ himself. But I think they're going to be those who come and say, look, I'm a Christian. And I'll save you from this mess. Uh, just elect me to political office and I'll save you. I will help you. I'm your I'm the solution to your problem. You're and solid. I think that people are naive to put their trust in the arm of flesh. Yes. And I say this, John, because politically, how many people are trusting in politicians to save them from the corruption that exists, not just in the government, but in the nation at large? And I'm going to tell our listening audience, I don't care where you're from, the political parties that exist, and for the most part, the politicians. There are exceptions. I will grant you that. Yes. But no one, no one on this earth is your savior. No one's going to be able to save you out of this mess. If you read Matthew 24, John, yes. the only one who's going to save us is Jesus Christ. There's no hope beyond that. Yes. There is no hope. And so I think people are getting caught up in a false illusion to think that there's a political, oh, you know, it's in, in the United States, for example, we have the Republicans and the Democrats. And, uh, and of course, the people say, oh, the Republicans are going to save us. And one group says, no, yes. no, no, the Democrats are going to save us. And I tell both groups, neither of them are going to save you. Yep, that's and, totally uh, the case. Well, look, Jesus is trying to convey something to us that we better pay attention to because the signs of the times clearly indicate when we start to see these types of things manifested before us, don't be naive. Deception is coming in every form and fashion, and we better start to wake up. Yes. We better wake up. Yes. You know, Elder Ricardo, as you were sharing your thoughts, um, what came to me was the moral lesson that's being taught. This, this You know, um, because... Let me just, can we go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 mm -hmm. and verses 16 to 17? Okay. Because I like how you brought out that Jesus had warned the people first and had told them the reason why, sadly, that the temple was going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. But what does the Bible say? As we're using the Bible as a basis for our study. It says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, mm. and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, we were made to be the temple of God. Adam was made to for in God's image, so that the Spirit of God could dwell in him, and that he could reflect his image fully. To reflect Christ fully. And the Jewish temple, as you know, that was to symbolize the work that God wants to do in the human heart, in the human soul. You see, this is where my mind was going. And, mm -hmm. and so we see how the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed because the Jews rejected Christ, the one who he said was wanted to save them and to and to cover them as a hen covers her chicks. That was symbolic of protection, wasn't it, Elder? Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and of the work of salvation. Now, and then notice, as you said, I like how you brought up that that's what the Lord did. He, he explained to them, um, he, well, he, he rebuked them because of their continual rejection of his, um, of, of, of his pleading and of his work to try to save them. And he eventually had mm -hmm. to let them know that he had to reject them. You know, that's right. and so, but that's the the lesson is for us as individuals that God is trying to do all that He can to save us through Jesus Christ. Yeah. But if we've got a choice, we can either accept the Lord and be protected from the evil that's going to be upon this earth, 
or reject him and then sadly forfeit his protection and thus be left to the mercy of the enemy and and so you see so that's the lesson that the lord is has, has always sought to talk we've got to look at this individually you see and mm-hmm. and and so i just thought to interject that so that individuals can realize that these lessons are not just for us to be spectators of these lessons deal with the very reason why we exist basically mm. it's all down to choice mm. so that's basically what i'd basically like to, like, like to share because there, there may be some who have never have understood that the temple at jerusalem was symbolic of the work that god wants to do to the human soul to us to us as individuals Amen. you see Amen. you know so um Amen. and and the final um point i'd like to say at this point here is that Notice in God in his mercy, through Jesus, through Matthew 24 and other scriptures, has given us all the signs to watch out for, all the plots of the enemy, to try to help us to escape from the enemy and to find refuge in his arms. You see, But it's all a matter of choice. It is. You know, John, it's true. It really comes down to that fundamental issue of choice whether or not you're going to follow exactly what it is that God requires of you. Yes. Look, John, it's, it's, just, it, 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 it's every day, every one of us makes choices. Now, now there, some are good, some are bad, or whatever. However, though, when it comes to the spiritual, yes. the vast majority are making the wrong choices yes. on a continual basis. And somehow... They are deluding themselves all along the while thinking that it really doesn't matter. Even those who tend to go to church. Now, I'm not saying uh, we shouldn't go to church. Rightly so, we should. You should go to church. You should should, uh, read your Bibles, pray, etc. Do all the things that, that, that help nurture your soul spiritually. But remember, the choices that we make for salvation go beyond that, yes. because it's not just going to church and, and singing hymns and so forth that, that, uh, that constitute uh, we are a born-again believer. Uh, it's more to the story. And so, uh, you know, there's a soul searching. There's a heartfelt transformation that takes place in the life of the individual. If we refuse to see things as they are, then we can never wake up to the reality of the yes. of the conditions of things that exist, and so therefore, how can you make the proper choices in order to be saved? And so, uh, you know, look, we are facing right now deception on every front. As far, in my opinion, now, this yes. is just my. If you, you know, I told people read the Bible, read this, you know, the scriptures carefully, analyze not just Matthew twenty four. Listeners, I want to just say something real quick, just to dovetail. Let me tell you, I, in the next couple of weeks, you have no idea how many verses and chapters and prophecies we're going to be re- referencing to. I yes. want you to hang in there because there's much, much more coming. However, though, I, I, I'm going to tell our, our, everyone that uh, that. Unless unless we wake up to, to see that we are being hoodwinked yes. uh, for the last couple of years, you know, now we know more than we've ever known before regarding this covid situation. We know that we've been lied to. The whole thing was a con. Yes. We've been conned. We were lied to. Now, we were told all these things. Oh, you, you know, we need to do this. We need to do that or you're going to die. Are you gonna you're gonna responsible for the the death of humanity and so forth and so on? We now know, we now know that it was all a lie. That we were deceived. We were deceived. Yes. And uh, and and uh, if if this the last couple of years ha- has awakened within me the realization of the nature with which uh, the deception with which Satan will use to, and to the degree with which he will go to, to blind the minds of the people. Um, and he will unleash anything and everything. Yes. And all, I fear, I fear the words of Jesus. This isn't just a warning. This is, this is Jesus telling us he knows. He knows the end from the beginning and he knows what's coming. And yes. deception is going to be off the charts. 
It's going to run rampant, especially within those who claim to be Christians or religious in their faith. And they're going to come and hoodwink you the likes of which you've never been. And this is why I encourage our listeners, don't you ever trust anyone with your salvation. Your salvation is between you and Jesus Christ, and you need to earnestly fight for your salvation to ensure that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what, friends, you don't get up off your knees until you know your life is right with God. Yes, I'm into that. You know, Elder Ricardo, I think that now would be the time just to introduce initially the main power that the Bible says that the deceptions upon this earth are going mm. to come through. Shall we read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4? Let's go. Yes. Now it says here, now listeners, listen to this. Remember, we're talking about the signs of the times. Okay? What does the Lord say in his word? And Elder DiCardo has just shared what was in Matthew 24 about deception. Now look at this. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition, who opposeth and exhorteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Mm. So it's interesting to know, Elder Ricardo, that the Bible warns us that one of the main events that we are to look for before Jesus' second coming is a falling away or apostasy in the Christian church and mm-hmm. the revealing of the man of sin, the Antichrist, the Pope of Rome in this apostate church to the world. You see? And so the rise of the Roman Catholic Church, which we've studied before, and we're saying this of all what the Bible says, an Antichrist system of religion, is one of the main signs that we have in this world that Jesus is soon to return to this earth. So it's serious, you know, and so we'll be looking at, over the next few weeks, facts now as to how the rise of the papacy is totally linked with the signs of the times and the events that are plaguing the earth today, you see. And we'll see how the Bible is truly the most factual history and reference book upon this earth. So listeners, you know, Matthew 24 and um, first, first, Second Thessalonians... Second. Mm. And many other Bible texts that we're going to bring to bear in, we're going to see that Jesus warns us about this Antichrist system as being the main power which is bringing the deceptions upon this earth. And this is the power mm. that he's been warning us about, and we have the choice to either accept what he has said or to either reject what he has said. And, mm. you know... So this is what's coming up for the next few weeks where we're using Matthew 24 as the basis and we'll be looking at how other Bible texts dovetail with this chapter and how they show truly that this power that was prophesied to come upon this earth truly is the main power that Satan's working through to try to deceive us and to make us lose our salvation. So let us not allow the enemy to come in. Let us allow the word of God to speak to us and help us to make the right decisions and and before we have a break um elder Ricardo, is there anything else you'd like to say before we round up this evening well you know when you were just uh, let me just say this let me when you look at the what you just made reference second thessalonians chapter two yes uh and i encourage our listening audience again uh to go and research these 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 wonderful prophecies you know, Paul speaks of the same thing in First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. He talks about how yes. in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Giving heed the seducing spirits. Now, yes. the reason I bring that up is because when you look at deception, and, you, and as you rightly stated, how that the man of sin is the hub, it's the centerpiece 
of all this deception, all the corruption, all the lies, yes. uh, whether it's economic, political, social, religious, etc. Um, uh, you know, these seducing spirits clearly indicate that uh, that it's satanic in nature, that the yes. deception is coming from beneath, in other words, from Satan himself. And so you're right when you state to our listening audience, listen, they better be on their guard. They, yes. Each of us need to watch and to pray, or we're just not going to, uh, let me put it this way. Don't think you're going to just slide right on into heaven. You know, that's just a, not, you know, just easy going. Uh, it's, listen, friends, heaven is worth fighting for. And, uh, and before there's a crown, Jesus said, you have to take up your cross. And, uh, so when you're looking at Matthew 24, you're looking at second Thessalonians in conjunction with Matthew 24 and, mm. and all the other prophecies that relate to that particular point of the man of sin, you can see that we are confronted with an enormous challenge, deception, deception, deception. And so I would leave them with this, Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testament. If they speak not according to this words, because there's no light in there or no truth in them. That's the bottom line. That's it. Yes. Amen. Well, this is where we're going to have to break some, some music, and we're going to come back with some closing thoughts.
The signs of the times. Other Ricardo, have you any closing thoughts for us this evening then, please? Well, when you look at this chapter, Matthew 24, I want to encourage our listening audience once again to go back Mark 13 and go to Luke 21 and uh, and study them in, in, in the parallel. Uh, it will really enrich your study. Uh, but when we're looking at this, uh, there's no question this is Jesus's farewell speech to the to the public at large, warning them of what's coming. And sadly, there would be many people that even heard this message who will not survive what's coming. Um, because Jesus is talking about the imminent destruction of Jerusalem that would take place 39 years later uh, at, at his uh, at the uh at the uh, destruction and uh, by uh, Titus, um, remember how that he warned, and he will talk about this in the, in the near future. In verse fifteen, the destruction that would come by Cestus in sixty six, and then then that sign, and then four years later, here comes Titus. And I want to tell our listening audience that Jesus gave us these signs to warn us of what's coming, and I can't help but believe that when you look at this very carefully we are confronted with a serious situation that this world is is uh, clearly losing its control it can't it, we're at a point where society can't even distinguish between a man and a woman anymore uh which is unbelievable just unfathomable that we have reached this level um and among many other things and so i would leave them with this the words of jesus take heed that no man deceive you you better wake up. This deception isn't just in religious issues. It's social, it's economic, it's political, it's moral and ethical. It's in all, every level. People are deceiving us every day over the most simplest things, and it's amazing how many are so gullible to accept them. And so I warn you, friends, I warn you, I plead with you, heed the words of Jesus Christ, because I believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Amen. Out of the corner, let's have a Closing prayer now this evening. <clears throat> Father in heaven, again, we thank you. We praise you for your kindness and your mercy. We thank you for the clarity of your word, the simplicity and certainty with which it's given. And thank you for the encouraging words that John gave and so many other cross references that he brought forth to balance out this message in such a lovely way. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand and to do the, our part. And Lord, obviously, you know, we, we do not convert anybody. We can't save anybody. We're just seed sowers. We're here just to share our faith. And so we pray that through the workings of the Holy Spirit, you will move in a mighty way upon the hearts of the uh, people who are hearing this message. And at last, dear God, awaken them so that they can make the right choice to be saved in your kingdom. Now, once again, bless us and keep us. Until next time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Elder DiCardo, thank you for joining us this evening on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944-062-786. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section and find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 59, you will find the subject, The Signs of the Times. This chapter will give you more information about today's topic. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash in that's i n for november dash z t h e dash wilderness dot podcast page dot i o forward slash. If you would like to support Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio financially, then please send your donation through our website at vitwradio.org. On the page called About Us, you can donate to us there. On next week's show, 
we will discuss part two of the subject, the signs of the times. Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.